Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, Pascal. My Hello, Pascal. Johnny. How are you? Very well, thank you very much. Good. Uh, welcome. If you're listening, if you're watching, we are live right now, but you could be listening on the podcast, which uh, we're very grateful for. Thanks for being there. We are celebrating the launch of our new program and the completion of our website best practice webinar series. So welcome. This is episode five. We wanted to find a way to continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder and for you to feel proud about your website again. Each episode contains four segments. Uh, we start with the You Ask, We Answer where we've got a, a question submitted by the community and or perhaps something we've researched online. We talk about website stories. Uh, we talk about the website engine room where me and Pascal are going to share uh, an app or a piece of kit or a tech solution that's going to help you make you feel proud of your website. And lastly, we always have the website call to action, one change or adjustment that you could be making on your website right now. So without further ado, let's get on with our first segment, which is You Ask, We Answer. What Thank do we you have? very much, Johnny. Thank you. Thanks for the introduction again. Uh, what we have this week, you were about to ask before I interrupted you, was a question that Ashley was asked um, directly during a recent workshop. It was a workshop oddly about social media, more precisely LinkedIn, but of course the conversation went on to the website and the content and the blogging. And the question that I'm about to mention to you, you've heard it many a time, how often should I blog? And as you said, you and I, if you were to try and put this on Google or Yahoo or Bing or even ChatGPT, what you get back is pretty mundane, pretty quite straightforward. It doesn't allow you really to um, have a competitive advantage. So, I mean, you and I have spent quite a bit of time doing workshops in person and online. You've heard that question before. What is typically your reaction when you hear someone, how often should I blog? Oh, it's so many times I get asked that question. I mean, how many times should I vlog? Should I blog? Should I tweet? Should I, you know, all of the all of those same same things, really. You know, I guess it always comes down to consistency is better than anything. But but also, you know, there's no point just blogging for the sake of blogging. It's got to be worthwhile. It's got to be, you know, who is, is someone going to take five minutes out of their day to read, listen, watch. And if you don't think they are, then there's no point. So it's got to be worth it. But it's about, I guess it's about consistency. Uh, what, you know, what, what, I end up being forced to give an answer, though. Mm. Can you get can you get away with not giving an answer, Pascal? Well, actually, you and I, if I may, make a link to the web, webinar series you mentioned, the introduction, and of course, the program, we actually do have an answer. Uh, I would go as far as say, perhaps it's more of an approach and the mindset where we break down the website content and we break down the word blog into more meaningful um, elements. So I'm going to maybe answer the question, what should I blog about? And then maybe you and I can derive the how often. So we talk about uh, industry news. We talk about um, experts Q&A. We talk about um, highlighting tech and other form of um, interesting tools. And we talk about company updates. So that's already four types of entries and content um, in your blog. And as a result of which, you and I you know, talk on the webinar in a program that maybe there should be one per week. So 
by extension, the answer could be that you should be blogging four times a month. Yeah, which feels about right. And it's, you know, it's about if you feel that you can keep to that and have that consistency, then that is an ideal solution. Uh, and, and you know, all you look at, like, like Pascal said just there, all you're looking at is trying to find four topics per month, four types of things per month. Uh, and that does work really well. Um, but there's no point starting off on this if in month two you suddenly are not doing it every week. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is only start this if you're actually going to you know see it through yeah that's why you and i talk about a three-month forward plan only because it gives you the line of sight of you know okay i'm doing this in month one two and three so there's a sense of longevity we also recommend where possible to have a central theme that can help guide your imagination and once you've done all the deliberation kind of pen and paper or whiteboard or post-it notes only then you and i would suggest can you start to delve into keyword research and other things because i find that if you start with a keyword research you might end up um you know with the plan of blogging about subject matters and and topics that actually are not particularly interesting to you and i think for me the blogging is also about finding something that you're passionate about absolutely yeah fully fully agree and you, yeah you've got to you've got to not just have passion but show show a bit of personality as well no absolutely right well listen uh a simple question, but one that we could keep talking about and, and kind of delve into, but time is against us. And can we move on to website stories? Now, this is interesting because we come to you, viewers and listeners, live and on replay with an article, a podcast, a video that has really captured our imagination. Johnny and I want to discuss it. And, and this week, in line with a very, very recent and important anniversary, we've chosen a video that was published in 1999, um, if I'm not mistaken, 2019, I beg your pardon, by CERN. It is a video about the brief history of the World Wide Web, because it so happens, Johnny, that on the 3rd of April of this year, 30 years ago, the good people at CERN, but more importantly, you know, scientist Sir Tim Berners-Lee released the code, the software for the World Wide Web into the public domain. And this video does an amazing job in throwing this to a feature extensively, you understand that, Sir Tim Berners-Lee, but also looks at the key milestone. And, 80, and 1989 was a key milestone. So, you know, in 2019, that was a big celebration of the invention. But in terms of what we in terms of our work and and businesses and of course you know um, kind of citizens if you will in terms of accessing the internet and the information on the uh, kind of a highway it only began in 1993 and that's 30 years ago yeah it's sort of um it, time flies in especially in digital i mean it's crazy uh how you know even if you just look at what what's happened with ai just over the last 12 months even um but 30 years is a very very long time in digital even though it doesn't actually feel that long ago where we've come and the sort of the 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 the, the barriers that have been removed and the walls that have been knocked down in the last 30 years in terms of the, the capability us being able to walk around with literally you know the whole of wikipedia in our pocket uh is is uh is crazy 
uh, for me, and uh, there's, there's both a sense of excitement, but also nostalgia. And sometimes I'm thinking, wow, can you imagine if, um, for reasons that obviously would be quite against their values, CERN, I kept it as a proprietary software. And you had to pay to be able to access the, in the internet and the web. And, and for me, it's also looking at you know the work that we do and the work that, of course, the wider community that you and I belong to do with regard to transferring information and knowledge about how to market you know your business via the the internet it's just incredible that this gift and 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 the impact it's had on so many lives yeah i think if it had been a paid model we wouldn't have advanced anywhere near as fast uh there's there's arguments for and against um but i think uh uh it gave us the keys to be able to make significant steps um and uh and but i think you know now it's about the quality and it's about the, uh, you know, we, we talk about this a lot and that's what this this whole uh, webinar and, and our uh, series is about, feeling proud of your website. There's so many websites out there. You know, is it billions? Must be. Um, and and it's about, you know, making sure that you've got that high quality and that you and it's something that you've got out there that you feel proud of. So we've, you know, they've opened the door, given us the the keys. Mm. There's so much stuff, but how do you stand out? Well, you've got to feel proud. You have to feel proud. And if you listen to interviews and, and sometimes just, you know, addresses by Sir Tim Berners-Lee about the vision and the intention of creating essentially a sociable web, uh, an environment where people could meet, connect, and interact, but also not one that would be bloated and inflated with with claims that you know leads leads nowhere. And, and I think on, on occasion, I wonder whether he might be a little disappointed by the way people have used you know his, his invention. Um, I thought I should ask you, in the spirit of nostalgia and anniversary celebration, about your memory of maybe the very first web browser that you've used and maybe the very first website project that you were involved in. Wow. Okay, well, we're going quite back quite a way there, aren't we? Um, I mean, I remember the first uh, big website that I created um, was a, uh, a an e-commerce site selling sunglasses. Um, mm -hmm. And what was, uh, what was funny was back in those days, it was very common to have a, a, a welcome stroke entrance page so you'd arrive on the website but it would sort of be like a, a big welcome with a button to to come into the website that's right and, and, and you sort of a number of years later you sort of looked back and thought why did we put that barrier there and what was that welcome page all about but it was a it was a really done thing um you know our thanks for coming if you want to come in <laughs> click here <laughs> and, you know it's, it's it's a bit like having a, a massive you know um something in the way of a, of, a, of a of a of the front door of a retail shop you know you, you just want to have it as open as possible and allow people to come in but uh, you know i always remember that um and and a lot of the stuff we did was in flash as well so yeah. it was to try and try and create sort of movement and an animation um but but actually all we ended up doing was creating uh stuff that only worked on certain devices <laughs> and you know it was uh, yeah it was it was a big learning it was a big learning curve but, but of course because there was no precedent i mean the precedent were uh so in my case my first website was 1996 
for a tour operator in London. And all we did really was to copy and paste the printed brochure. So, you know, people used to go to, and for our younger audience, this must like, like the dark ages of walking to a travel agent to pick up a brochure on the shelf to then consult it for days on end, to then go back to the agency to then say, <laughs> I want to go here, please. And so with our, with our first one, it was a second, because the first one didn't work at all. So we had to do a second one. And the second website, people could consult the pages, then they had to print the page to then go to the trial agent to then, you know, say, I want to go there because I wasn't really at the time, um, the booking systems. And in fairness, people were still nervous about putting their credit card details uh, on the interweb. Oh, Although very. now, of course, we were so negligent, you know, this is just, just absolutely arrived. And... I used to be very, very fond and very loyal to Alta Vista as a as a search engine, uh, and that, but then you know things have moved on since then. I, uh, f- for me, I loved um, Ask Jeeves. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, I, I really, I really loved Ask. I'm not sure why, but um, I really loved Ask Jeeves. It, it just but, felt like it was a you were getting some kind of personal service or something. That's right. And I'm not actually remembering it was a UK search engine as Jibs. Perhaps I'm wrong, but um, certainly it feels like it was. I mean, because of the character of Jibs. We'll let our listeners and, uh, and watchers uh, mm. let us know because I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Not at all. So listen, uh, I hope you've um, forgiven this little kind of tweet down memory lane, but it's important. 30 years ago, you know, somebody, and actually you can go online and search for the CERN, put CERN letter, 1993, so two-page letter where they announce essentially relinquishing all IP with regard to the World Wide Web and look where we are now. So on the subject of tech solutions and more, can we move on to the next segment, the Website Engine Room? Now, this is interesting, one of my favorite segments where we surprise each other with a discovery from the interweb, an app, a software solution, a bit of kit that can help make life easier as a website manager. So, Johnny, what have you chosen for us? Well, I wouldn't say this is necessarily going to be a surprise. I Mm. think this is more of a must-have. And if you're going to be uh, taking having a website seriously online, then you absolutely need to be using Google Search Console. Uh, so it's no surprise. It's been around for, for a long time. Uh, it used to be called Webmaster Tools, uh, got rebranded as Search Console uh, a, f- a few years ago. Um, but it's the the doorway. There's no, You can't pick up the phone and start speaking to Google about you know search engine optimization. That's just not possible. You can just about pick up the phone to talk to them about uh, Google AdWords and spending money with them. But when it comes to, to talking seo there's no there's no uh there's no way to have that conversation but what you can do is you can open a door that allows two-way communication in a structured way where google tells you what they know about your website what they think and basically it's google turning around to you and saying look by the way we found these errors on your website if i were you i'd fix them that's what google's ultimately saying it's a way of uh, of google understanding who's behind a website so who are the real people uh, behind it who are the marketing people who are the, who are the owners uh, and uh, it's a way to you know be able to say to google actually i need to remove this page from the index uh, perhaps um, you need to say to google to stop hitting your servers as much with their crawlers and their robots uh, or maybe it's for you to understand if there's some security issues uh, on your website. To this day, I'm still amazed that there's so many clients that I work with that haven't signed up for Google 
search console are not aware of it and there's, there's it's there's so much data in there as well it's really uh, quite data rich um that for me would be the uh, the the tool that i would be looking at in the website engine room pascal what would be your highlight so for me it's again inspired by recent interaction with uh, customers who are looking to refresh their websites uh, for a number of reasons sometimes they they have new products and services being introduced maybe they look at it and I would say because of our work and our kind of uh, messages, I feel, yes, you're right. I feel uh, awkward about the website. It looks to me old as it is, so I want to change it. But I understand the challenge of what do you do? Where do you begin? And how do you reach a decision? So on their behalf, I did a bit of research, and I came across a very interesting platform called Reloom. Now, this platform is designed to support individuals who create websites using a platform called Webflow supported by Figma. And interestingly, Webflow is uh, very popular in France. So it's been an interesting part of my rediscovery of the French market. But this would work for any website system. And what they've done superbly, Reloom, they created a templates library where they have broken down website into its component parts of homepage, contactors, lending page, pricing page, about us page, and you know, all the kind of segment that you are looking through the program and into the webinars. And they give you wireframes, quite elegant one that can a source of inspiration. So what you can do, you can save them, you can organize them, you can print them, you could do screenshots. And what you, you can really end up with is a situation where instead of vaguely knowing that the about us section should have a better layout, you can at least have a point of discussion between you and your colleague, you and the agencies, or dare I say, you with Johnny and myself. So for me, it's back to this idea of a method of work. You know, nobody can come up with a good decision just staring at the blank piece of paper or at the blank screen. You need sources of inspiration. And importantly, and you know, I give that, that advice uh, a lot, don't look at the competition because you don't want to end up even by accident to plagiarize. But what you do want to do is have steps that led you to at least a short list of options to have then uh, upon a conversation. So Reloom Templates Library, I've put the hyperlinks into, into the show notes and that's my recommendation. Could I come back to what you said about Google Search Console? Because one thing that um, the feedback that I've received from my customers when, like you, they get surprised when I tell them they should really look into that is they're hesitant because they're going to say to me, but I don't have the technical knowledge. This is going to be difficult to understand. But when they do have a go and spend some time, they come back and say, actually, it was quite easy to understand and I feel really good about it. But conversely, I don't think Google and others do enough to really promote such console. What's your position on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, to some extent, uh, the clients are right because a lot of the Google tools are quite clunky uh, and and not you know overly easy to understand. Um, but the the fact is that there's so much data in there. I don't think uh, Google does promote them enough. Although although just although you do see. Um, once you sign up with Search Console, they're actually very good at sending lots of uh, mm. emails around that. Um, but the the sort of trying to get you there in the first place, probably not. That that could be in some way because they don't know who owns websites, and that's half the problem. So that you know, how can they target people that they don't know owns websites? And that's their way of building that data by signing up for something like Search Console, which is basically putting yourself out there and saying, you know, actually, I do own or or have access to this website. I think the key 
uh, message I'd be getting across is that it's data rich. We're talking about data that um, is showing how often you're being shown in search results. We're talking about what keywords you're being shown for. We're talking about the um, click-through rate, so the percentage of people that are clicking your listing in search results, um, and, and, and how much traffic you're getting through from uh, Google search. So it's all that data around what's happening on Google search pages, which doesn't come from Google Analytics. Google Analytics only shows you data once someone actually gets to your website, whereas Google Search Console shows you all that data prior to someone getting to your website in terms of what Google was ranking you for, where they were ranking you for, what keywords, and what was the click-through weight? What's the percentage of people that are actually clicking those uh, links? And that's the sort of the, the, the worthwhile data that you can get from it. Super. And you know, I've just made the link actually, and people could accuse us once again of being very well organized, but I'm just making the link live as you're talking and making the business case for Search Console because with that data, two things that can inspire you in terms of your blogging activities, as we saw in the um, You Ask, We Answer. And then if you're having some warnings and alerts um, with regard to the performance of pages, and I know that historically I've had clients getting alerts around design and layout as well, then you can use the library from Marie loom to maybe explore how a web page uh, who's been the, you know indicated as performing poorly can be readjusted so it all kind of link it together but it's a data-driven decision making isn't it yeah absolutely it's it's about taking one and using it on the other Super. Well, tell you what, on the subject for making decisions shall we go on to our final segment the website call to action Now, in this segment, Juliana, we would respectfully ask you to take action and make decisions about improving the performance of websites so you can feel proud again and make it work harder for you. So what would be the one action or adjustment you would like us to consider? So again, there's no surprises. This isn't a new tool out of nowhere. I'm going to be talking about Google Analytics 4. And the reason that I'm talking about it is as of right now, I think you have 58 days left, 58 days left to upgrade from Universal Analytics, what some may call Google Analytics 3, to Google Analytics 4. The reality is that come 58 days time, uh, the data will stop being collected in, in, in Universal Analytics and it will move to Google Analytics 4 only if you've set it up. And the reason I highlight it is, first of all, you don't want to lose that data. But second of all, it's not just about collecting the data. It's about setting up the event tracking, the conversion tracking, so that you understand what's going on on the website, how your website's converting, making sure that you uh, that, that you tell Google ultimately what you're trying to get people to do on the website. So that what's the call to action? What are you trying to get people to do so that you can understand what's happening in the conversion rates, but also Google can understand if people are engaging and how they're engaging on your website. And so that Google can start using that data to decide how to rank you better to increase conversions across your website. So I think, I think for me, the reason I brought up Google Analytics 4 is it's so timely right now that you absolutely need to take action into ensuring that you've migrated, you've set it up, and you've got event and conversion tracking in place because otherwise you're going to have a big data gap. And I think 
you know, that would be a, a shame uh, to then be able to look back and understand what's been going on on your website. Thank you very much for a reminder. Uh, importantly, uh, again, I'm, um, on behalf of the audience, the reaction could be that sounds awfully complicated, that sounds awfully um, laborious. I don't have the knowledge, but am I right in thinking that there's a lot of support out there, including your expertise, but also um, on this occasion, a lot of tutorials on YouTube and more? Yeah, Google's got a reasonably helpful, as <laughs> I use the word reasonable, <laughs> reasonably helpful section on uh, YouTube and on their website. If you Google, literally just Google analytics for uh, tutorials or or, or uh, help, uh, go onto YouTube. The, uh, you know, I, I would sort of turn around and say, turn around to your web developer, turn around to your agency, you know, turn around to your marketing supplier and challenge them. Say, you know, have we migrated to Google Analytics 4? Can you show me the data? Have we set up? The, the questions you need to be asking are, have we migrated to Google Analytics 4? Have we set up event tracking? And have we set up conversion tracking? And those are the three things that you need to ask. How you do it, you know, you know, I you know, go and get an expert to do it. Turn around, as I said, turn around to your marketing agency, your marketing person, your web developer, your web designer, ask them the question. And of course, reach out to us if you get stuck. Um, but some of those people should know what they're doing. And actually, if they don't, well, I'd actually be concerned. Uh, and you maybe need to reflect on who your suppliers are. Thank you very much. Now, listen, for my part, I wanted to link it back to um, website stories. And my call to action would be to, in your industry, to research your um, key past event and invention that is unique to your industry and align some of it to your content marketing activities. The power of nostalgia, I, I witnessed it time and time again where people say, did you know that 10 years ago this happened in, in our case? And we talked about the celebration of the worldwide web being made public. So do this research. And I think for me, they are even more powerful than the international days. I mean, you could still do those by all means, you know, hashtag fill, fill the blank. But I think for you to be seen, to be connected with the, um, I suppose, a sense of direction and the origin of your industry and the evolution and how um, the web has been embraced, how AI is being embraced as well, is very, very important. It could be a great source of discussion, it could be a great source of uh, finding. So in my case, you know, we, we found a video from 2019, but we also find the original letters from 1993. And if you share all of that on social media, but also create some um, articles on your website, don't be surprised if such console actually highlights them as being regular traffic generators, but also this feeling for your audience and future customers that you're connected with really the, the makeup of your industry. You're not just a, a new entrant who is just winging it. You, you have a strong, strong sense of where we've come from and where we're going. And I think that's very important. Yeah, I think I think it's all about uh, relevancy as well, isn't it? It makes you it makes you relevant. You have to be seen to be relevant in your sector, in your industry, uh, in in the client's sector and industry. And it's about making you know relating to that, finding uh, as you as you talked about events that are going on in the industry, and and finding stories that connect with that. So important to make you relevant. If you're not relevant, you know, then people are not interested and don't believe that you have the skills to be able to help them. You have to be seen as relevant. Uh, and so I think that's a, a really good way of, of doing that. Thank you very much. And that, everyone, is the end of episode five. 
Well, what an episode. Uh, it's part of our new podcast series, the audio companion to the 90-day website mastery program. For more information, please visit 90daymarketingmastery.com. You'll be able to book your discovery call with either myself or Pascal. Uh, we will be back for another episode. In the meantime, feel free to send your questions, share your preferred apps and links to your websites once you've made the changes and are starting to feel a bit more proud. We would love to uh, give you a shout out. So please do send anything mm. our way. But this is it. Bye for now, everyone. I'll leave you with a fun video and audio montage whilst you go through your notes and actions. We'll see you soon. Take care.